Good morning. That's the theme of our lesson this morning. And uh, because we're going to be talking about remembering, do you have a hard time remembering names? Okay. <clears throat> do we have any children in this audience this morning that can remember anything, can remember names? Any little guys? Do you, can your children remember names? How about yours? Okay, I, I, can, I can give you an address, and maybe the kids can tell me who lived there. Okay? The address was the Garden of Eden. Who knows who lived in the Garden of Eden? Do you remember their name? Okay. Adam and Eve. All right, thank you very much. I have a hard time remembering names sometimes. Then there was a young man that was put in a basket, and he was, sent, he was hidden in the river in a basket. And his mother hid him there. And then the queen of one of the daughters of Pharaoh came and found this little guy in the basket and rescued him and brought him so that he could be taken care of by his own mother. What was this little guy's name? Anybody remember? What was the name of the little guy in the basket? Moses, was it? Well, thank you. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing to do to remember these things, because it's it's kind of hard sometimes to remember names. I know that I see somebody that I haven't seen in a long time, and I have a hard time remembering them. This thief asked Jesus on the cross, "Remember me." Memory is an intriguing subject. We've all experienced the need to use devices to help remind us of things. You don't see it much anymore, but you used to see people with strings around their fingers. Did, did anybody remember seeing that? Somebody with a string around their finger? Some people carry objects in their pocket or in their purse to remind them. And some people have ticklers and files and so forth to remind them to do certain things at the office. Some have alarms that go off on, in their telephone and little list. Others have practiced mnemonics, that is little word phrases that will remind them of something to do, little flags that tell you, hey, I better pick up milk and, and uh, bread before I come home because that's on, that's on my list. This is so that we can remember and sometimes remember an appointment just to tell us that we are trying to do something, and it seems pretty normal, doesn't it? Our kids can remember things very easily. There are different forms of, of memory, different types of memory. And if, if you were to discuss it or, or study it for just a little bit, you'd find out that there's things such as short-term memory. Okay, that's what old people lose. And then there's long-term memory. An old person that doesn't have good short-term memory can remember things 30 and 40, 50 years back. So they have long-term memory. There's episodic memory. Something happens, traumatic or physical. There is declarative memory. Somebody tells you something. There's flash memory. You see something. And there's uh, episodic memory, semantic memory. You're taught something. So there's all sorts of memory. You know, and it seems like memory is automatic. It's like breathing. 
You don't think about it, do you? It's like your heart beating. It's like it's an autonomic activity of your body, but it's really not. Actually, we, we fear the most that we're going to lose our memory. That's what we fear. And I'll tell you why we fear we're going to lose our memory. And I want you to remember this. <laughs> when you lose your memory, you've lost yourself. You have lost yourself. You are no longer the person that you were before. You've absolutely lost yourself. You've lost yourself to yourself, and you've lost yourself to everybody else. Somebody says, I, I, I've talked to my mother the other day, and she thinks I'm her husband. Now, that's what happened to me with my mother. Then one time she thought I was her brother. And it, was, it wasn't very often that she recognized that I was her son. What I knew was that my mother was gone, but she was still in her body. She was gone. She was not my mother anymore. Memory is essential, isn't it? It is absolutely essential. And memory is what make you, makes you you. Amen. Without memory, you are not you. You have to have memory. It's a classic argument, I think. And it's very easy for me to see this and, and, and really get into it because I, I love the arguments that are made for the existence of God. If it were not for abstract memory, it would be very easy for someone to come along and say, well, we're just like the lower animals and there's nothing about us that couldn't have happened over a period of evolution. But abstract memory is something that we enjoy and that we have that no other form of animals on this earth have. They have imprinted memory, and they have uh, memory that you can plant in them, but they do not have abstract memory. They cannot think in terms of calculus. They cannot think in terms of devising certain arguments and making arguments for things to be. They cannot do the same thing you can do because you are made in the image of God. You're in the image of God. And he's made you such that when you develop yourself over a period of time, that you become who you are because of your memory. Now, scientists and analysts can tell us all about how memory works, what it does, where it comes from in the brain and so forth. But they cannot explain the fact that it's here without recognizing the fact that God gave it to us. He made us in his image. We are in God's image and we are developed as human beings with abstract memory without having to be patterned. We are there. Now let's look at the thief. What was the thief asking Jesus to do? What did he say? Remember me. He was asking Jesus to do something that seemed fairly normal and natural, doesn't it? Let me tell you what was going on. The thief was a common criminal, but he must, must have been a felon of some degree that had to call forth uh, for uh, capital punishment. They didn't just cut his hand off or his foot off or poke his eye out. This guy was a repeater. So they, had to, they, had, they were going to kill him. They were going to put him on the cross. Now, the Romans used that form of execution in order to teach lessons to people. 
Sometimes when they came into a city and, and conquered it or an, another nation, they would line the streets, their roads, with people crucified on either side. Now these people were tied on the cross, straps, leather straps. And their feet were tied and they had a little peg in the middle that they could kind of sit on. And they were left there in order to deteriorate physically. In all likelihood, that's what the two thieves were, were like. They were not nailed to the cross. Why they nailed Jesus to the cross? They nailed him. They put iron spikes through his hands and through his feet and fastened him to the cross. The thieves in all likelihood were not affixed like that. But here was Jesus in the midst of that kind of agony. Now what had happened? In the last 24 hours before this, Jesus had been betrayed by one of his closest friends gone and, and, and betrayed him to the authorities and lied about him and sold him out. All of his apostles had departed from him and left him there by himself. He had been taken before the magistrates of the Jewish nation. Now, if you wonder what kind of power the Jewish nation had, you need to think in terms of the Catholic Church in the Latin countries. And especially the Catholic Church before the Protestant movement. The Catholic Church used to appoint kings in countries. These people were that sort of power. The Jews, the elders, and the high priest, these men were authoritative in their, in their country. In all the world, they were recognized as this type of authority. So what had happened was they, they took Jesus and they, they, they made false statements about him of the most obscene type. They said, this man has blasphemed. Now that was the one crime, one of the, one of the major crimes, that called forth the, the death penalty. They said, he has blasphemed. So they made a false, false charge. Then they began to ask him questions. They said, well, you're, you're going to tear down the temple and build it again in three days. And he, would, of course, he had talked about the building of his, of his body. He was going to tear his body down and he would rebuild it in three days. But they had made that, that uh, accusation to him. These men had despitefully used him and they had uh, abused him. Then they turned him over to the, to the authorities, the political authorities, turned him over to Pilate. And Pilate began to examine him, and he examined him rather roughly. Now think, think of this. Here Jesus is, and he, he's standing all by himself, and all of his friends have departed from him, and somebody comes along, taps him on the shoulder, and says, now, now when, when, when this happened, I want you to remember me. Here he is in the midst of the greatest crisis that this world has ever or will ever see again. And somebody's tapping him on the shoulder and saying, hey, when you get through this, remember me. Can you imagine? Well, they beat him. They stripped off the cloak from his back and they beat him. Blooded his back. And then they abused him. They humiliated him. They tried to embarrass him. They cast all sorts of, all sorts of accusations against him. Danced around him. Smacked him with a, with a reed, with a false reed. And planted a, a crown of thorns and pressed it down on his brow and made that bleed. Here is Jesus fighting for his life. Struggling for his life and for yours. And the devil has, has gathered all the forces he can 
all the powers of darkness and it's resting right upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And the devil is trying to get him to do what? Say one evil word. Just say one evil word. Just think one evil thought. Just do something that is not right in the sight of God and it's all over with. I'll give you my kingdom, but you won't get yours. All the powers of this of, of the devil was was visited upon Jesus, and then they nailed his hands to the cross. He was in extreme pain. He asked for something to drink, and they gave him vinegar on a sponge and stuck it up in his mouth. And and the devil's got a stranglehold on him, and he's trying to drag him down into the darkness of the blackness of hell and destroy him. And here the thief was, and all of a sudden what he said was, Hey, maybe there's something with this guy. And so while Jesus is in the midst of this type of struggle, the thief says, hey, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, when you get on top of this thing, remember me. I'll tell you what, friends. Jesus, he did. He said, I will remember you. I can't. It's just hard for me to imagine that Jesus was able to turn to this man and say, okay, and he gave him some words of comfort. Gave him some words of comfort when Jesus is fighting the powers of evil all by himself. And the man says, hey, think about me. Think about me. Boy, you know, I don't know what the thief was thinking. I really don't. Somebody said, well, he must have become a believer all at once. Well, he probably did. I don't, I don't know what was going on in his mind. I don't know why he said that. I, he turned to a fellow thief and you know, he'd, he'd been doing the same thing that the other thief had been doing. They'd been casting insults in the teeth of Jesus. And yet, now he turns and says, he realized, hey, I'm in trouble here. And he looks at Jesus and says, when you, when you get on top of this, when you get, when you whip these guys, remember me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, well, he believed that Jesus was the Christ. And that, you know, that's, that's commendable. The devil is trying to strangle and suffocate the life out of our Savior. And this thief is saying, forget about yourself. Think about me. How about me? And Jesus said, relax. Today you will be with me in paradise. He gave him comfort while he was in the midst of that sort of turmoil. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And the reason is, I couldn't have done it. The reason is that God can. Jesus was God. God remembers us. He does remember us. Isn't that amazing? I want to tell you a little story. I'm not bragging. I'll just tell you a story. Back in 1964, Ronald Reagan was stumping for Barry Goldwater in 1964. Barry Goldwater was running for president. So Ronald Reagan was touring, especially in the state of California, going up and down the state of California, and he was stumping for Barry Goldwater. Now, Ronald Reagan later became our president, didn't he? In central California, I met the guy. We were in a park, a big park, and he was, he, he was giving a lecture, and he was talking about uh, the, the, uh, the candidate, Barry Goldwater, and I... And I I talked to Ronald Reagan. We we had a little conversation. After he became president, you know, I did not go to the White House and say, Hey, Ronnie, you remember me? 
You know why? He would never have remembered me. He never would have remembered me. I know that. I looked this morning, we turned our TV on for the news, looked at this morning, we looked at the the, uh, marathon back in New York. 50,000 people in that marathon and another million on either side and looked at that and I thought, I wonder, I really didn't say I wonder. I knew, I know that Jesus knows every one of those people. Isn't that amazing? Now, I, ca- I couldn't know, I wouldn't recognize them at all. I looked at the people, but I, I couldn't pick out. A- Have you ever looked at a crowd of people and thought, I wonder if I know anybody there? Recognize anybody? You know what? Jesus does. Isn't that amazing? You say, well, show me a scripture that says that he knows me personally. He could pick me out of a 50,000 crowd of people. Okay. Luke chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows, that's a bird, a little bird, five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Wow. Now, God can do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. Nobody can do that. He says, for even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God remembers you. He remembers when you were baptized into Jesus Christ. He remembers the day it happened. I remember the day that John F. Kennedy was shot. I remember certain things that are episodic memory. Certain things. And you do too. But you know what? Jesus remembers every single thing that's happened in your life. He really does. And because I, I can say that because in John chapter 10 at verse 14, he says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known of them. I know my sheep. Have you ever seen a herd of sheep on the fields, on the, uh, the plateaus out in Wyoming? They have sheep, herds of sheep, thousands of them. Thousands of them. And yet God says, I, I know mine. Maybe the one or two in there. But he would be able to identify them. I couldn't. Even the old shepherd that takes care of the sheep can't remember every one of them. But God can. He says, I know my sheep. I know you. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 45, it says, Before him shall be gathered all the nations. Now, think about that. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people will be before his throne. And he's going to separate the good, the sheep, from the goats. And every individual will be judged individually. You personally. Everything you've said, everything you've thought, every deed you've done, good or bad, it's going to come up. Second Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one of us may receive the things done in the body, every one of us, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Last week, a couple came to church here. Matter of fact, two couples that I had not seen in 30 years. 30 years. And they walked up to me and said, you remember me? And you know what? I didn't. I didn't remember them until they told me who they were. Then I remembered them. Both couples. Another couple came before that, and I didn't remember them. 
because my memory must be fading. I don't know. But, you know, it, it, just, it just happens. But Jesus remembers, and he remembers me. Amen. And we're told not to forget. Don't forget. Oh, went too far. That's what it said was. <laughs> Don't forget. There it is. Parents, you will tell your children if you send them off somewhere. You're going to tell them something. I, I think you will. I'll predict that you will. You'll say to them, Don't forget. Don't forget who you are. That's what they're going to say. It's not just don't forget. Of course, I, I tell my kids, I've got two kids, one in Arizona and one in, in, Port, in Oregon now, and I tell them, don't forget to call your mother. Okay? Because it, it can happen. You can forget to call your mama, and you shouldn't. And you can also forget who you are. You can certainly forget who you are. We try to imprint our children with, with good manners, don't we? Say, yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. And be courteous to those who are older than you. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what you're doing is you're, you're imprinting something on your child's heart. And you should be imprinting good things on their heart. And when they get older, they'll revert back to it. God tells us, however, in this area, God says, don't forget me. He said that back in Genesis chapter 3 and at verse 15. When he, when he told Moses, when he said, Moses, go down and get my children. Moses said, well, who, who am I going to tell them is sending me? Will they know who you are? And he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Moses. I'm the Lord God of heaven and earth. I'm the Lord God. He said, that is my name. Go tell them. And tell them it's a memorial, which means don't forget it. Don't forget me, God said. Do not forget me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, it says, Moreover, brethren, Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Remember. Remember. Keep in mind. Peter had a bad experience, did he? Jesus told Peter, he said, Now, they're going to take me into captivity. They're going to, they're going to catch me, and they're going to take me, and they're going to kill me. And Peter was saying, No, that's not going to happen. Then Jesus said, Look, before the rooster crows two times, you will deny me three times. That's what he told him. You know what Peter did? The first time he denied Jesus, he just went about his merry way. A maid came up and said, we know who you are. You're with him. He said, no, I'm not. Another one came up and said the same thing. He was warming himself with the fire. And he said, no, I don't know this man. And the third time he said it, he, the rooster crowed. The string around his finger, the rock in his pocket, whatever it was. He remembered what Jesus had said. He remembered. If we have a lapse of faith, we can take courage in the fact that John urged the church at Ephesus. He said, 
He said, uh, remember where, wherefore you are fallen and repent and do the first works. Lest I come unto you quickly and remove your candlestick, except you repent. If you fall, he said, remember where you came from. Go back. Go back and do the first works again. Jesus said, when the disciples were gathered together on the night he was betrayed, he said, I'm, when he broke bread, he said, remember me. Remember who I am. When he took the fruit of the vine, he said, remember me. Now, the problem is, if we don't know Jesus, it's going to be hard to remember him. Somebody comes up and says, Bill, remember me? And I was scratching through my mind and thinking. I remember we had a 50-year reunion back in my high school. It wasn't that long ago. Anyway, there we were. And this fellow came up to me and he said, and he looked me right in the face and said, you remember me? <laughs> 50 years I hadn't seen the guy. You remember me? Well, when he told me his name and he told me who he was, then I remembered him. But up before that, I didn't. I hadn't been around him. I've got a friend in California that will call me once in a while and say, hey, Bill, remember, you know who this is? If it, does anybody ever do that to you? Yes. Somebody call you on the phone and says, you know who the, who's calling? Ha, how would I know? Who's, unless I recognize your voice. Because I don't talk to you very often. So I don't remember you. Jesus said, remember me. Remember me. We are who we are because of our memory. That's what I said to begin with. I ask you to remember that. We are who we are because of what we remember. If you remember Jesus, that will make you who you are. Get him in your mind and remember him. Let's sing that song of invitation. <laughs>